This is the Thera Podcast, hosted by Drs. Martin Wesley and David Whittinghill. All right. I am looking forward to today. Welcome to another edition of the Thera Podcast. I'm Dr. Martin Wesley. And the other host of the program is Dr. David Whittinghill. How are you doing, David? Good, Marty. Great. So, what do you want to talk about this week? Oh, we could talk about the hurricane, but (laughs) it's heading my way, but I think it's going to miss us. But it looks like it's heading toward that big bend and going right toward you. But at least you're on the other side Ah. of the state. So, Well, at least it's got a little land to go over and a few gates to go through. Yeah, Yeah, it still might be a a one, though, a hurricane one by the time it gets to you. It looked like, at least from what I was looking, but who knows? Yeah, I imagine you're going to get a lot of rain and and uh, wind, I, we're going to get a lot of storm surge. That's my biggest concern. I'm, I'm a, a, just a mile from the Tampa Bay, and if it keeps getting pushed up the bay, where's it going to go? So we'll see. I, I think we'll be all right, though. We're not planning on leaving. We're in, uh, we're in uh, evacuation zone B, and... Uh, and uh, they are asking for evacuation zone A, but Z- zone A is only, you know, it's four houses away from us. So, <laughs> so <laughs> okay. No, I think we'll be all right. But yeah, we've got plans. We've got things um, in the suitcases and all, just in case we have to leave. But by the, by the time we get out, we're gonna be in, if we had to get out, we'll be in, uh, traffic the whole way so who knows we'll be parking on the on the interstate but anyways yeah no you know i think we've talked i know in the past just as friends that uh about an issue that uh, of of gatekeeping and um a gatekeeping in the counseling profession and i don't know to me that's Mm -hmm. something i i would really hope we can talk about today yeah well uh, it is an important topic, and it's uh, it's one that's important in terms of the uh, each one of the counseling ed programs, and it's also important in terms of uh, each state making sure they let the right ones in and keep the wrong ones out. So, <laughs> you know, I always get a kick out of that too, because you know we are talking about a gate, right? I mean, this gate. that we're allowing people to come in and then we say no to others. Um, And maybe we are talking about, you know, those that have entered in, we we kick them, we open the gate and shove them back out. Um, I think that's what we're literally talking about, right? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, You know, it's funny um, because I I just, a little story came to mind, um, which sort of reminds me of this uh, before we get into this, if you don't mind. Uh, I was a new counselor educator, new professor, uh, and I had a, re- a great deal of respect for our uh, dean at the time. And he had really built something quite amazing at this university. And he was a very, you know, gregarious guy. He was just, uh, you know, he was uh, happy to be with. He loved playing music. And, you know, I just never seen him angry. Never did. And we went to this faculty meeting and he was pissed. He was angry. And, uh, you know, we're all wondering what the hell's going on. And, um, 
he went on to explain that he saw, heard someone talking about the student, a, a professor probably, talking about the students, saying that, that we needed to weed some people out. And I'll never forget his answer. He said, and he said it with an angry voice that shook us. I mean, literally, <laughs> we were all, at least for me, I was shaken because this guy was, he said, our students are not weeds. That was profound wow. to me. That was just really, that really hit me. Yeah. Our students are not weeds. We don't treat people like that. We, we, uh, um, you know, and, and that's, I think, maybe an introduction even to this, to this discussion, because I do see obviously some positives of what this should be, even though nobody really knows what we're doing. Uh, and, and two, though, is I think it's, there's a lot of negatives in our profession, and even in the definition of, of uh, gatekeeping, but, but I think we do tremendous harm. To, you know, in this in this process as well. I agree with you. And um, the place where it happens the most, I think the place where we make the most mistakes is up front uh, and not screening uh, and vetting our students well enough before we allow them to enroll in the programs. It's just like if you were... Um, you, you apply to be a fireman, yet you can't pick up the hoses because you're because of a physical limitation. Yeah. If you're not able to pick up the hoses, there's no sense in you going through the rest of the process. Yeah. So there are certain things um, that have to do with counseling. And if, if individuals, regardless of their desire to have it, um, to, to be in that position or to to learn uh, the tools and the craft and the theories and all that. Uh, if they don't have a certain uh, certain abilities, then they're just not gonna be able to do it. For example, yeah. if, they're, if they have a strong bias and they're inflexible, have an inflexible personality, it's probably not gonna be, it's just not a right fit for them. Yeah. But we don't we don't we usually don't make those determinations until the students have been admitted into the program and we're they're twelve, fifteen hours in. Yeah. So you know, just along Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to say that uh, I was going to actually go to the ACA Code of Ethics um, and I was going to look at the glossary of terms and it sort of fits with what you were saying uh, as far as what is gatekeeping. And the definition here in the ACA Code of Ethics says gatekeeping is the initial and ongoing academic it, it, I don't like the way it's worded, but <laughs> academic, comma, um, skill mm -hmm. and dispositional assessment of students' competency for professional practice, including remediation and termination as appropriate. In some ways, I think that's a decent definition, even though it the way that starts the initial and ongoing academic and then it's a comma skill 
<laughs> I don't understand that. What is an academic? I don't know what academic is and a skill. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they meant academic skill, but they have a comma between it. Um, so, yeah, it's the initial part and the ongoing part is sort of what I heard from you. And you're saying you think the uh, the primary concerns in the initial is what I thought I heard. I do. Yeah. Yes, but I don't think it's academic necessarily. I don't think there's any correlation between a good counselor and a high GRE score, for for right, example, right. or um, uh, their GPA. I just I don't think that is uh, will determine whether that person is becomes a good counselor or not, whether they make A's or B's. Right don't that a correlation it's not my experience at all what is my experience is their ability to actually um do the counseling to actually interact with people and be able to um to uh interact with other people in a way that's um helpful um and I, if they don't have those skills up front, those communication skills, or um, I don't think we could do that. For example, the University of um, Alabama and University of uh, North Florida, both of those programs, uh, we used group interviews yeah. um, for screening of students prior to coming in because we wanted to see how they would get along with others. And we... Um, we intentionally uh, arranged the groups so that it was a good mix of diverse people in each group. So we could see how they interacted with each other and then communicated because we would get certain prompts and so on and so forth to ask questions and they would answer in the group, which gave us a better idea about their skill levels. Not that, that we expected them to be uh, master, uh, co-leaders of a group or anything um, or understand basic attending skills or any of that stuff. We just wanted to see if they were uh, if they had flexible uh, some flexibility in their personality and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I mean you know, I struggle with this. I really do. Um, here's, I like your your uh, example, your metaphor related to the fireman. At the same time, you know, um, I'm also thinking that many times what you're talking about is exposure, um, is related to exposure. And many times a person may want to be a counselor and has, you know, applied for a counseling program and they do not have those skills like they should because their lack of exposure. They've only been in a religious community. They've only been in a, in a, you know, whether it's an urban area or whether it's been in a rural area, they sometimes have a difficulty in communicating with others based on their, their limited experience and exposure to other people so why would we deny them the opportunity to learn um, and to gain those skills through the program which is what it's intended to be I guess that's my question yeah Does that makes sense sure sure it would make sense uh, I no, we did not make decisions based on their performance in the groups that was just more information for us it was a multi uh, 
I guess what I always say was, if we're going to use uh, the term I would use, is multi-axis assessment. So it wasn't necessarily just about how they interacted with people, but that gave us some some information. It wasn't just about their uh, intelligence, right, or their knowledge of diversity and and uh, that kind of thing or tolerance, but in general, it was their willingness to consider change. Right, right. Because, because the program, whether they like it or not, when you come to a counseling program, you, your life is going to be forever different. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, should be. It should be any program, but definitely, I think, counseling, I agree, because we're working on ourselves as much as we're trying to work on other people. Um, again, that, that that hard part for me is that an idea that there that there's a at least a from what I hear from you and what I th- am reading as well. If we're going to have an initial assessment, we need to know what we're looking for. And I'm assuming from what I'm hearing from you as an example is an aptitude is an aptitude for change, an aptitude for uh, openness to change. And I do not know of any measure that we are using to determine that <laughs> no uh no one's using it consistently um I'll, I'll even throw this out were you trained in uh gatekeeping at all um not at all i mean no. either i mean my my program i didn't have anything i actually was never discussed um and you know i've been a counselor educator uh you know professor for I've been teaching for you know almost 30 years but uh full time i've been a professor since 2006 so a long time and uh i've never been at a training that actually gave me the tools or had any consistency uh to even know what we're looking for for god's sakes <laughs> well you know I, I don't think in you know i think a review of the literature would uh Bear it, bear me out here. I don't think we have any agreement on what it is we should do. No, uh, we don't. In fact, I was just looking at a, a friend of mine did a uh, recent uh, dissertation on gatekeeping, and it was a phenomenological research study. And um, but yeah, l- looking at their review, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, there, it's not there's not a whole lot there. And what I'm hearing from it is uh, some examples are this. Uh, it's meant to protect the profession, uh, looking at different characteristics of disposition, uh, but they're very hard to, to uh, measure. Uh, mm-hmm. There is no set of standards or guidelines. Um, and interpersonal conduct expected. There's no, there's nothing, no guidelines for that. There's ambiguity um, that makes gatekeeping uh, difficult. It can be emotionally draining. You can also end up in fights related to your uh, larger institution because there were, you know, some people have, you know, are trying to remove students when literally there's no due process. And and often we end up in lawsuits, uh, barriers uh, to 
can cause unfit students to slip through the cracks at the same time, again, lack of due process, and we are not consistent in that. And last thing I have here on, you know, some basics uh, on, mm -hmm. on literature review is standards. Uh, standardized definitions and methods of assessment uh, could improve, but we don't have them. <laughs> so there's just a really quick uh, look at some of the literature review. There just isn't much on it. Right. So, yeah, and I would like to see we have more. Uh, I think we have more literature on uh, remediation processes. Yeah. And what we do for that than we do about. What, what I think is the most important part, which is the screening up front. Um, I mean, we, for example, yeah. uh, I've been avoiding this particular part, but I'm just <laughs> going to talk about it, which is uh, during my, as a chair of uh, one of the programs, I mentioned it earlier, um, I had to remove two students um, and that's it. It is emotionally draining yeah. for all faculty and for the student. Um, but both of these individuals were um, pedophiles. Um, they were uh, taking children home with them. Um, I don't think they were ever convicted of any crimes that I'm aware of. But they were uh, and found out to be in compromising uh, positions with children. For example, taking them home to swim in their swimming pools alone um, several times and when instructed not to. Uh, that was one. Uh, the other would do, uh, would, uh, do sex uh, assessments after work after the initial interview at the placement they would call them on the weekend uh, and go through another assessment unbeknownst to faculty or anybody else but we found out about it yeah and so we, we had to those folks we just had to, to they couldn't obviously they can't be part of the process so yeah no i've had uh i remember one specific uh, example where yeah this guy mid 30s older 30s um uh again and uh, again you're talking about that creep factor i hate to say it but you know he just was creepy and and his goal was just to work with young girls and that that's all that's what he wanted to do and mm -hmm. and yeah you it, it again i don't know if those, now in this case i came in afterwards and was part of the process of trying to get him out of the program uh, he could nobody would take him for internship uh and practical internship so that became actually a blessing and then he was removed but i remember there was another example um that when i was on the board uh, Kentucky Board of Licensed Professional Counselors, and I was the chair there. We had a student, we had a person that graduated. I mean, went through the entire process. And the guy was a sex offender, uh, registered sex offender. He had been one of those where he would, um, he had been uh, involved in a sting by the police, you know, and they were saying that they were. Uh, you know, a 13 year old girl and, you know, and he came to get sex with, have sex with this uh, 13 year old, finding out that they were police officers. 
and um you know he was sending naked pictures of himself to this supposed 13 year old girl and so forth well this program uh admitted him that way this is a state-run school in west virginia that took this student allowed them to go through the entire program never told the site the, the practicum and internship site of of his pre, uh, being a sex offender never told them and and advised him not to tell them because he would be removed and allowed him to graduate and then he's coming to us to get licensed which of course we said hell no and he didn't get licensed and then he tried getting on license by you know another board and then he went to west virginia tried to get licensed there nobody took him i think at least the gatekeeping ended at licensure but i was just really yes. shocked that the counseling you know that that was an objective criteria that could have been used rather than a disposition or a, you know an aptitude they literally had objective behavioral information that they could excluded this information this person in a gatekeeping function and they ref and they did not do that right so the result of uh, those two particular instances earlier on in my in my when i first became a professor back in the 90s uh, you're old i know uh ended up in us at, at the um at the practicum and internship level the the site started asking for they wanted background checks yeah and so uh, as a result of that um we started asking for uh background checks up front mm-hmm because that information was available to state level anyway, and it was a problem. So that, in terms of an objective measure, that's the only one that I know of that, that we've used in the past. Yeah. Again, I think behavior uh, or okay, you know, for example, um, there's often this criteria that's that e even some states have. I know Kentucky had it, for example, that you must be a person of good moral character um, to be licensed uh, as a counselor. And to me, I, I think that's at least a place to start uh, to mm -hmm. be in a counseling program. And if, especially if that's a criteria for the state in which the you know institution uh, the university is. Um, but then you have to define what that is. And finally, at least with Kentucky, I was able to help define that through changing the law. But it mainly related to at least the basics of sexual uh, violent crimes against uh, vulnerable individuals, especially children. Mm -hmm. So if they could not work as a janitor at a public school, I sure didn't want them as a counselor. And to me, at least that should be a, a, a start for where we would be in, I think, a counseling program, at least having something to start with as far as good moral character and, and some level of, uh, of uh, you know, criminal behavior that uh, right. cannot be expunged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So having said all that, if we could get to uh, certain instruments that were universal, yeah, a 
assessment instruments and actually define what we mean by gatekeeping uh, for the profession so that it was clear and less ambiguous. I think it would move us along a lot oh, more. I, I agree. You know, it, right now, um, I think most of, like I was saying earlier, I think most of what we have is remediation. Yeah. And then we have a lot of gate gate slipping, right? Yeah. To, because we use sometimes uh, too many adjuncts are used and we don't have enough communication that's going on among the professors to check on the uh, on the students' progress or lack thereof. Um, yeah. You know, as I, I mentioned earlier that um, this uh, friend of mine, uh, her name is Nata- Dr. Natasha Snell. Uh, she did a her dissertation actually on gatekeeping. And if you want, I'll go over those themes because I, I think they sort of fit even what you were just saying and what we have been saying. Um, the, yeah. And again, this was a qualitative um, phenomenological. But anyways, the first theme was just uh, that there is a responsibility. And for the most part, they're going back to ACA Code of Ethics. Now, I want to go back to the ACA Code of Ethics a little bit later. But uh, but anyway, so it's saying that there, we all recognize in general that there is a responsibility here. So that, that was the first thing. The, the second mm-hmm. part just related to learning to be gatekeeping, that no one was given training and nobody is given training. This is not part of a counselor education program. Um, and uh, so it, it's many times uh, on the job learning um, and that you're on your own, you know, so that yeah. that uh, was uh, part of the process. So. Third was that it's a developmental process um, that you have to learn to grow in a sense uh, at being a better gatekeeper, that it doesn't just happen. You know, you take a training, you get a certificate and you have it. It's it's a process um, and it takes time, just like in a sense, almost like being a counselor. It takes time to be a good counselor. Uh, So to me, they sort of went hand in hand in that way. the other theme was competence. Um, and uh, let's see, they had competence of a uh, gatekeeper. Um, okay. and, and for the most part, what they were saying there was that we have to acknowledge our biases and that many times our biases are often slipping into the gatekeeping function. And that is that has been a huge and I wouldn't mind talking about that a little bit later too, but uh, sometimes we're using our biases to uh, discriminate. What can you say? Discriminate against people coming in and potentially moving them out because we don't feel they're respectful enough. We don't feel that they uh, are multicultural enough uh, and accepting enough. And we are going to uh, you know, show a little intolerance of their intolerance. Um, and that, that becomes a problem. Um, so theme, next theme. Um, that, that's a, that's a very interesting piece right there. Yeah. And that's one of the, um, that's one of the issues that I've taken, uh, a lot of, black for. I don't believe that, you know, uh, sometimes faculty are less uh, excited about doing 
uh, the gatekeeping about attending those those uh, new student uh, interviews and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I really believe that the more faculty that are that can be involved, it's the better. Yeah. Because they, when it's just one or two people, those biases have a tendency to slide right on through. Yeah. But if you've got the, a diverse group, that's my experience anyway. Well, the more diverse, the better. No, I agree. The, the other part I would add to that, which I know you would agree because we've talked about this before, but is an empowered diverse group because the yes. because you've I've heard you say it many times that the sometimes the loudest person in the room wins, and yes. we have to have people that are empowered and do are not a, uh, afraid to bring up areas uh, that uh, that they feel uh, are controversial or <laughs> whatever the case is. So no job repercussions whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, I think there, but there's also, um, you know, I think it would be good that somebody says, Hey, my red flag went up. I don't know what it is. There's something wrong here. I'm not saying, you know, we don't admit them, but I, does anyone else see this? And then maybe you can help define it over time. Uh, not that you're looking for something wrong with the person, but, but, uh, you know, this is a, again, we're bringing people in to be, to take power over individual clients and, uh, and, uh, you know, there can be serious harm done. Yeah. That's, that's the piece that's always bothered me a little bit is that we, we claim that, um, that mental health is just as important as medical or biological health, physical health. But then we are less uh, strict when it comes to uh, allowing people into the program. Yeah. Well, but we, you know, let me let me throw uh, a question on that, because I, I think you make a good point. The problem is, is, you know, you saw that 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 show House as an example. Yeah, yes, there's yes. an example where House was this. Uh, I mean, you know, the way that they betrayed him is he's like the smartest doctor on earth, and uh, you know, but he was a bastard. I mean, nobody liked him. He 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 was just yeah. an irritating person. But you know, if I had a disorder that uh, you know was unknown, I wanted him, even though he's going to be a jerk and treat me horribly. But I don't know. But but. Oof. Those are the those are the areas we are looking for in mental health as a mm-hmm. and we're not necessarily looking for competence in some cases. Yes, we are. But I'm I'm saying, you know, what I'm going, you know where I'm going. <laughs> yes, I do. And, and I and I agree with what you're saying. Um, yes, there's there's uh, there are counselors who can use certain uh, theoretical orientations and still be rather jerky. Yeah. Uh, as a, I'm a very professional word there. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I'm just thinking of somebody who's really good at CBT. Yeah. Uh, Albert Ellis yeah, uh, was a, not right, a really nice wow. man, but he was an asshole. He, he was, <laughs> yeah, he was very effective. Yeah. No, good point. So, yeah, even here we are even contradicting some of what we're saying because it is such a hard construct that we're trying to define here. Yeah. 
And that's why I think it needs to have so many different people involved and as many instruments as possible involved. Yeah. If you if you're actually going to do the screening up front rather than and then you know I think it's also a developmental sticking with what she's saying in in her research it's a developmental process for the gatekeeper but it's also a developmental process for the counselor and i don't know that you can predict some of these things up front yeah no i i agree i I mean there's some people that i go oh my god they're the most they're super intelligent and i'm just really amazed by them but will they be the best counselor or will it be the one that i mean is just loving and caring and yet they cannot even pass the the you know exit exam um they really struggle there you know but they but impact you know empathy and and uh you know that entunement yeah they have that so i don't know again we have to whatever we develop or whoever develops this it does need to consider the complexity of humanity which is impossible (laughs) but we need to at least know what we're looking for yeah what was the other thing uh, so, well, some other barriers, uh, one of them is the barrier. Uh, and that is what they were saying by that is barriers to effective gatekeeping often was the university itself was that, you know, they knew that um, that this person may not be a good fit for the profession. But the university saying, um, sorry, that's not going to happen. They're in the program. They're getting A's. How, how can you just now say, because you have them in a skills class or, or practicum or internship, that they're, they're now not, you know, they're not good for the profession. And, and that does from a from a uh, from an acad- an academic administration's perspective, that makes total sense. Uh, how can you get A's and then uh, then be try to be removed from the program? Um, it's a different it's a different set uh it's not just the grades uh which we all know um and yet we i think if we haven't identified these issues before practicum and internship which is toward the end of the program we are setting ourselves up for scrutiny right so yeah, I- so some are I- saying that there's a uni- there's personal cost many times that are being uh, weighed, uh, and it's just not worth it to go against administrators. So that was one of the themes. I see. Uh, the other theme coming about was, uh, you know, how to improve gatekeeping. Um, and that was related to, of course, training at the doctoral level. There should be at least some courses there. But at the same mm-hmm. time, because um, supervisors are not necessarily going to be going into a doc program, there should be some level of, uh, of training uh, for them as well. Uh, and especially for, uh, they were mentioning uh, an improvement uh, for new faculty. Um, yes. And then I think the last one was reconceptualizing the gate. What is the gate? And again, the idea of the sort of like what we started this conversation at is, you know, the gate, who's coming in, who's coming out. And again, it's a very negative connotation to that. And uh, and we need to clean up what that means. Um you know, are we truly a mentor and a collaborator or are we taking, are we the vice principal with the SWAT, 
with the with the with the paddle on the wall. You know, I mean, because right. we're having to rethink what we are doing um, if we're going to really go down this route. It's sort of hard to be student centered and say that we, you know, are also the the disciplinarian. You took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. So along those lines, I was thinking, you know, what what seems to be the most helpful for students right now in terms of uh, the last at University of North Florida, okay? Yeah. My last job as a program leader was to get, disseminate this information to the students or people who were interested in the program up front as soon as possible. Right. So they knew what we were looking for. Exactly. In evaluating the students, you know, we're going to be looking at your ability to do X and Y and Z and that kind of thing. And we'll give you feedback on this and we'll give you training on this kind of stuff. And we want you to come to us about these things up front. That, I think, creates um, a more... it redefines the gate now that the gate's not really a gate. The gate is really a, a filter, yeah, instead of a gate. Well, and again, and so, and we're telling them what we what we're looking for, and again, hopefully that authenticity comes through, and those mm-hmm. that are faking it, um, or, or maybe they'll they'll gatekeep themselves in a sense. Well, this doesn't sound like it is for me because I have all the answers, and they're looking to see if I'm going to change. You know, I don't know. But that's right. possible. Yeah. You know, before we go, I we we I did want to go back to this ACA code of ethics. There's only one standard on gatekeeping, uh, which I think is sort of fascinating. And it's just related to supervision. Now, uh, that sort of makes sense, but there's, you know, we do have an area of training and teaching and research and nothing to do with uh, gatekeeping there. But, but anyway, so here is, um, what it says and I'll, I'll go slow because it's I have to go slow when I read anyways but here I go uh, when you when you're getting half blind it's sort of hard to read things uh, anyways through initial and ongoing evaluation supervisors are aware of supervisee limitations that might impede performance okay makes sense I think that one's valid supervisors assist supervisees and securing remedial assistance when needed makes sense okay we're just saying hey you know we see something you need to work on you know let's let's make that happen okay then it says so uh, you know to me that all made sense and then it goes to a very what i see is a very harsh gate like we were talking about it says they the supervisors recommend dismissal from training programs applied counseling settings and state or voluntary professional credentialing process processes when those supervisees are unable to demonstrate that they can provide competent counseling services to a range of diverse clients. There's just a, there's a huge, there's a lot here in in this one sentence. And while I would agree that we, if we see someone that cannot demonstrate competent 
professional services that we should be looking again right now it's just cut them off whereas i think there's a remediation that can do that uh but but it's also the way instead of just stopping it there provide competent professional services they keep on going and they say to a range of diverse clients which to me as i read that it means okay well you can maybe be competent for women but not men and we're going to ask the the uh you know for your dismissal from a program or for whatever setting because you only want to work with african-american people or whatever that right. that really just bothers me and and maybe maybe i'm i'm reading way too much into this but it's there, there is a part where I do agree that we should all be able to start working toward working with good, diverse individuals. But there mm-hmm. are also passions that we have that may be more in line with, hey, I don't want to work in addictions. I don't want to work with uh, adults. I, I, I'm coming into the profession to work with children. And that's okay. I don't see why that's a problem. And yet, from the way I read that standard, that is a problem. And they're saying and, shut the gate. <laughs> yeah, they are. And did it say uh, to dismiss them from trainings? Yeah, well, it said, okay, they recommend dismissal from training programs applied at counseling settings, so out of their agency, state or voluntary uh, professional credentialing processes, licensure, so forth, when those okay. supervisees are unable to demonstrate that they can provide competent professional services to a range of diverse clients. So it defines even what professional uh, services are by their last part of that statement. And to me, I struggle with that because sometimes I, like me, okay, I have worked with children for most of my, you know, for all my life. (laughs) I mean, uh, again, I used to be a house parent, work with children, but I've also feel like I am best working with adults. I give me the parents, let someone else do the play therapy with the children. I am better with the adults. And so, I have no desire to learn how to necessarily be competent working with, you know, a diverse age group of the younger, especially preschoolers um, in counseling. It just be, and I, ha- I have no desire for that. Um, I, I think that it often becomes uh, a very expensive and I don't see the bang for the buck, which I can when I work with the parents. And yet this is almost saying that I need to, unless I'm reading way too much into this. I don't know that you are, Marty. I, I think there's this um, this, this thing uh, that goes through our profession is that uh, counselors should be able to do everything for everybody. Right. And the fact, the fact of the matter is, we can't and nor if if we switch this thing and we're looking at physicians and we were to say physicians should be able to work with any kind of uh, illness across the board and we know that's impossible because there's just too much information because that's why we have specialties so when you when you encapsulate it that way and say an individual should be competent across all ranges and everything 
it it it's just misleading. Yeah, I I I yeah, I struggled I think with that. That needs to be rewritten and edited. Yeah, well, it's definitely up for that, anyways. I don't know when that's going to happen. That was nine years ago, for goodness sakes. So. Yeah. Well, so how would you summarize what we've been talking about? There's definitely an issue. <laughs> we have it's a problem here <laughs> with gatekeeping. We know what the problem is. Yeah. And I think the solution is, again, to have more people involved in the gatekeeping process. And following along that research that you just read, I think that what they found are, are some really good things, which is we need to identify the knowledge and the skills that an individual needs to have to be a good gatekeeper. Yeah. That's that's first. And then we begin the training uh, that neither one of us had. And right. basically self-taught, uh, you know, it's, it's basically a, a learning process you go through to help the students out. But at any rate, I think that going forward, we should have a lot more in terms of standards not just with ACA, but also with KCREP and, right. and what we actually teach our our counselor educators to do. Yeah. I, in fact, all levels. I think counselors that yeah. are going to be supervisors, doc students, um, because uh, that's part of their program also, supervision and teaching. And then, yeah, the faculty themselves and having some level of guidance uh, or standards related to that would be helpful the problem i think is is i think we're both looking for an assessment procedure that is both objective and being able to bend with the circumstance you know with with the humanity as well um and that's not always easy in our profession but i I think that we need something like that Um, i agree you know because we do i i was part of you know again i was part of a counseling program that just worked in Appalachia, for example, and they're primarily being graduating and going to be counseling people in that Appalachian region. And we need to be able to be open to to understand that a gatekeeping process in one uh, area may not apply to all areas. Um, That's a a really good point. Yeah. That's a great point. And uh, because of that, I, I I think that our objective measure only needs to be like it, a third of the process, and the rest right. of the process needs to be um, the perspective of the attending faculty yeah. and their perceptions of the students, which should be familiar with the culture and all, anyways. You know, um, or their goals. You know, working with their own personal goals, where they want to work. Um, with the military, for example, or whatever they wanted to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and I, I think some of those objectives, like you, like you mentioned earlier, could be even, you know, based on that good moral conduct, especially as it relates to criminal behavior. So that that's a potential. Um, or, and if there is some criminal behavior, at least how does that, how is that being obsess- uh, assessed uh, as to their goals and where they're going to be working. In other words, have they had a DUI, um, you know, five years ago, and they have made a transformation and they're wanting to work with addiction uh, clients? That that makes sense to me if they've truly made some changes. You know, right. Hopefully, 
there's a lot of people out there that might be listening to this and they'll hear it and they'll they'll contact us and give us all kinds of information about it. I would love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can we can all put this research together and again, hopefully have some standards for the profession because we're all looking for it. I think we all need it. So been fun. No doubt. But, yeah, sure has. All right. Well, I uh, I think that uh, uh, you know we we covered the topic. I don't know if we had come up with all the solutions, but at least we come up with a guide and you know some guidance for where we want to go. But anyways, well, hopefully you get you stay safe uh, with the hurricane coming your way. Uh, I'll try to do the same. <laughs> okay. I'd send you my kayak, but you already have two. So. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it, it, it depends on the kayak. I, I, yours, yours is a sit on top anyway, so we can tie ourselves to it if nothing else. But I, I, yeah. those ones that you sit inside it, I'm afraid that yeah, water's going to get in those. But <laughs> yeah. so, all right. all right, bro, hang in there, See and you. we'll uh, we'll talk next time. So, okay, bye, bye. bye.